Mama Debbie. how easy it is to get a clap. I'll get back down again. Excellent. <laughs> um, good morning. If you don't know, my name's Debbie. And um, today we are just going to carry on in the, uh, the second part of the King of Kings series, which is going to lead us all the way into Christmas. Um, and today, as you'll see, it says the saving king. And psst, there's a baby coming. Yes. We're anticipating Jesus's birth through looking at this scripture together. Um, so uh, yes, so if you have a Bible, feel free to go there. It will be on the screen as well, so don't worry if you haven't got one. Um, and just a little bit of factual things for those who like factual things is that this, this passage is the second of Isaiah's four servant songs, um, known as one of the messianic, messianic passages, uh, which is the coming of the Messiah, it's the coming of Jesus. And so together, what we're going to do is zoom in to what the Israelites would have heard when they were hearing this word, and then zoom out to where we are today and how that story translates throughout history. Um, and I just would like to put out there, bear in mind, some people will look at this scripture as it's Israel speaking, some would put it as Isaiah speaking, um, and other different interpretations. I am going with that it is Jesus speaking. So from my reading, from different commentaries and that, we're going with that it is Jesus speaking. And he is speaking very clearly through Isaiah's prophetic word. Um, so let's read it together. It's uh, Isaiah 49, 1 to 6. And it says this. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand and my reward is with God. With my God, sorry. And now the Lord says... He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring, back, uh, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the very ends of the earth. And so what we'll do, we're zooming in here, and there's just wonderful visuals here, um, that there's a battle in waiting that Jesus is going to fulfill. He is in his mother's womb. He's sharpened his sword. He is hid in the hand of the father. He is a polished arrow ready to go, but he is kept in the quiver. He is a servant he is displayed splendor. He will labor for the cross and the reward will be with God. There's so many visuals here. In the office this week, we were talking about analogies and how they're really helpful. And there's just so many going on here in that it's just we, we see one thing like a sword and then we can come out and see that it's also like a quiver and an arrow. And through these comparisons, we start to understand who he is. And it gives us explanation 
and a bit more clarity around what he's coming to do. And this passage does it beautifully. Because when we zoom out, we realize that there's a bigger story going on. Because when you look in your Bible, so if you've not had a Bible before, I don't want to assume that everybody knows where the Isaiah comes in the Bible. Isaiah sits about here. So this is the Old Testament. There's a little bit more of Old Testament that comes up to here with other prophetic words. And then the New Testament, when Jesus is born, is there on inwards. So let's realize that this is part of a much bigger story. And although the Israelites were hearing it here, we happen to know the rest of the book this side. So what we can see is just looking at a few other passages and how they can have a similarity to other verses we know that are in the Bible. So let's have a look. We've got different metaphors and examples and analogies going on. So if an example might be, for before I was born, the Lord called me from my mother's womb. He has spoken my name. And in Psalm 139, if you know the Psalms, we, it might come to mind the verse that says, For you created me in my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are beautiful. I know that full well. And we know that Jesus will be knit so beautifully together in Mary, his mother's womb. And uh, that's just a wonderful example. And then we come along to, he made my mouth uh, like a sharpened sword. And this time we can jump forward in scripture and go, well, in Matthew 10, 34, Jesus actually says this about his mouth. He says, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. And we know that means truth. And then we jump back and he says, in the shadow of his hand, he hid me. And we can jump back to the Psalms and go, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And again, we can jump forward and he says, you are my servant Israel in whom I will display my splendor. And we can head into John 13, where the, the story that might be told in primary school still to go today, I don't know, but it's where Jesus is the servant and he washes his disciples' feet, which we don't live really in our, our country today in a much of an understanding of what a servant is. But in this culture, if we zoom into what the Israelites knew, they knew what a servant was, and that was to put yourself underneath somebody else to serve them, to be submissive to them. And uh, yeah, so we see this example there. And then another example is, but I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. And again, we can jump to when Jesus speaks in Matthew 17, 17. And he says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? And he says, bring the boy to me here. And he goes on to heal the boy. But we can hear his frustration in that time as well. Going, oh, Lord, come save these people. What are they doing? So it's just a few examples there that when we zoom out, when we know the bigger story, is actually we can hear Jesus' voice in this scripture that comes in the New Testament that is cited further back in the Old Testament and it's just a wonderful thing that God has a big story, a very big story that we are also part of today. Um, so with that in mind, let's just have a little think about what the Israelites were going through at the time. They've been through exile, and exile is probably quite a tame word for describing what they've been through. 
Um, so they probably felt more like they were cursed at the time than blessed. The, the land was more lost than given. Their descendants were whittled down, not grown. They must have felt God's presence had gone, like the temple had been destroyed and started to be rebuilt, all this sort of thing. And the promises they had received, they probably felt like it wasn't showing God's glory. And there was no new covenant apparent. So all these things, this is the thing they were experiencing at that time. So And then Isaiah brings this prophetic word of this person, this this one that has a sword and has an arrow, and, but is hid in his mother's womb. And it could probably feel like a little bit of a riddle at times. And who else spoke in riddles at times that it felt like? Jesus. And um, so and we also must remember at this time in the world, it's statistically thought there's about 3 million people on planet Earth. And um, so again, the, the, the world as we would see it to them is looking much smaller and they're about, well, they're about to go into, give it a, a 50 century, 100 years or so, give or take, they're about to go into the 400 years of silence. And again, if you're not familiar with the Bible, that's not a problem. There's a thing that happens between the prophetic at the end of the Old Testament and before the New Testament begins. And that is a period of blank pages, 400 years, where it's not thought that there was any other spoken word or stuff going on. And so they're waiting. I don't know if you've ever been in a period of waiting where God has promised things over your life. You know God's got a hand on your life. There's a story going on, but it feels a little blank. That's how the Israelites might have felt as well. And then when we zoom out, we have the benefit of knowing when we're waiting because we have the, the, this book to tell us that tells us the character of God, that he is faithful and he does not give up. And when he's silent, it does not mean he has gone, that we know that there's still a bigger story at hand. And I just want to show you a picture here. Um, I love the infographic Bible. I'm a visual person. And this book just breaks things down into a way that helps you see the story in a slightly different way. And uh, it gives us a big picture of how the Old Testament and the New Testament all come together. You might have started reading the Bible when you started at Genesis going, what is this story about? I would encourage you, get to the end. Because you see time and time again of God's redemption and saving plan. We rebel, God saves. We turn away, God is good. What we've been seeing about this morning, his goodness. And this picture shows you, there's like hundreds of examples where the prophetic in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament. If you want to have a look at that picture, it's online, but I can bring the book out. It's in the office. And again, it just shows you we're part of a very big story. Your story is part of his big story. And the wonderful thing is, this big story is all pointing to Jesus. Not our story, to Jesus' story. So, there's a baby coming. It's almost Christmas. Well, not almost. We're not even in December. But, you know, we, there's this pregnant, expectant anticipation. We can see what's going on with the story. And we are post-silence, right? We're post 400 years of silence. We know what happens in the New Testament. So we know the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. 
We know that we no longer need a, another prophet, a king or ruler like the Israelites might have been looking for. And we know that our exile has officially ended. It's officially done. There's no going on that loop of redemption, of turning away and coming back, because he has saved us once and for all. And the wonderful thing is that our population now, as a whole world, from the same statistical source, is just short of almost 8 billion people. 8 billion people. You put that in perspective of what the Israelites would have understood their world to be, from 3 million to 8 billion And it helps us come to this verse again, the last verse in there, which says, uh, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. God the Father, Jesus has the capacity to save everybody for all time to the ends of the earth. It is his big story And he is faithful and good, and he can fulfill his promises. Because there's a baby coming, and it's going to give life, life to the full, eternal life, and the promise of new heaven and a new earth, and when he comes again. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Quite right, Eddie. So in this moment of time, the prophetic... And the expectant are heavily pregnant with what is to come. Like, the best way, I was trying to find an okay picture to show. You know, like, what's, what's an okay picture to show? So this is the best I've got. But those in the room that have been pregnant, like when you've been heavily pregnant, you'll, you'll have a greater connection to this than I will. I've not been pregnant. But there's a sense of expectation. There's a sense of... Hope, anxiety, stress, wonder, awe. Um, There is a saving king. We have a saving king who comes as a baby, who the, the Israelites weren't maybe expecting to come as a baby as he did, who is fully God and fully man. A moment in time when the Israelites were wondering what next. A moment in time uh, we see God's plan in full action that this little baby is going to be the hope of the world. For the nine billion people that live with us currently on this planet, he is the hope of the world. Just want to read a quote by uh, Ray Ortland. He does a whole whole commentary on this. And he says, Still, Jesus is destined uh, by God to cover the whole world with his radiant salvation. He is God's covenant to us. That is... God's solemn pledge to us and his gracious promise to restore all things together. When you are pregnant, this is exciting. So when my sister-in-law told me that she was pregnant with my nephew and then my niece and then my next nephew, I don't know how she felt, but at the time I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to get to be Auntie Debbie. I wonder what they're going to be like. Like, well, are they going to be tall, short? Are they going to like football like I like football? Oh, they might, it's like slightly anxious. Are we going to do a good job raising them? We're expectant. And um, like the Israelites, we now live also in a pregnant expectancy. So their pregnant expectancy was they were waiting for this prophecy to be fulfilled. And they had to wait 400 years. 
our pregnant expectancy now is Jesus promised that he's going to return again. And we live in that pregnant expectancy of going, Lord Jesus, come, we're excited. What are you going to do? What's it going to look like? How's it going to be? I want to be ready. And that is our pregnant expectancy now. So what, what, what's, what can this all mean for us? <laughs> How's this all land? Because there is a baby coming and he saves. He saves as many billion peoples as he wants. What it can do is it can motivate and inspire us to share Jesus with others. Because if we believe that Jesus saves and we share the compassion that he has for us, then we want to tell other people about Jesus. That's what happens there. This saving king who is to return is a living hope, a promise, and the victory. Israel and our exile ends through Jesus' birth and resurrection. He is now king for all time. We don't need another prophet. We don't need another king or a ruler. Jesus the baby did it all. As a man that lived, as a man that died, but fully God saving us from our sins. There is a baby coming. And I just want to share a little thing that Margaret shared in the prayer meeting this morning. Because I was like, how, where, where do we finish this with? Because oh, I want to bring hope this morning. I hope that is what you're taking away. Because it's a promise of hope and love and faith. It should stir our faith. But Margaret just said something off the cuff about um, her hearing aid. She was here yesterday at the Holy Spirit Day. She says, she says, she described it like being, her hearing aid works just fine when she's listening to music, but it's just a very basic level of listening to music. Like, it doesn't co co cover all the flavors, if that makes sense. But she does this thing in order to listen to it when all the technicolor was her word. She just presses behind the hearing aid, and suddenly it, it brings it all to life. And there's something about knowing the full story of God's big story. There's something about knowing Jesus that he saves. And there's something about knowing that he is coming again that helps us live in the full technicolor. And we have the Holy Spirit to bring and breathe and breathe life into that in our daily walk, following Jesus. There is a baby coming. As Christmas comes, just let's reflect on there is a baby coming. When you're thinking about your present list, just remember there's a baby coming. When you think about what meal you're going to have at what house, when, and the logistics of any sort of family life, remember there is a baby coming, and he is the saving king. And let's share him with others. Can I just pray? Do you want to stand with me? I appreciate I've been talking for a little while. And I know that would have struck people in different ways. It might have gone over your head, but you know what? The Holy Spirit is the one that brings revelation to where we're at now. So... Yeah, just close your eyes if you're happy to. And we just say, Holy Spirit, we thank you that we're part of such a big story. <laughs> but it is in your hands and it is in your plans. And we know that you prophesied the saving king. And that we, in our point today, get to see and witness that and know the living truth and hope of it. So help us, Father. Help us in our hope and our faith and our love. Help us to live in your promises. Help us to be expectant of Jesus returning. 
Help us to share the very gospel that you declared in Isaiah that is still true today with one another and with, with those that we meet. Let us not be shy in sharing the name of Jesus and that 